Good morning, First Church. My name is Jordan Chapel. We are excited that you have joined us here at firstchurchconnect.com for this morning's service or whenever you're watching it. That's one of the beauties of technology is you get to kind of take in the content, experience and participate in worship and learn from the teaching regardless of when you're able to access it. So we hope uh, you've utilized the resources that we've given to you throughout the week and we're hoping to continue to do more and more to help connect us during this time that we have to be a part. So I'm going to pray for us before we hop into service, and then we'll, uh, we'll experience and participate in worship together. So Heavenly Father, we love you, and we're so thankful uh, that even when we can't gather in person, that, that you are with us. We're so thankful that, that as we're spread all over the county and the world right now, Lord, uh, you know what we're walking through. You know that uh, these, are, these are things we've never experienced, but we know that you are in control of it all. And so we put our trust in in that we put our trust in the fact that you are on your throne, that you're sovereign, that you're ruling and reigning, and that you're working to reconcile all things to yourself. And so we trust in that and put our hope in that this morning. And we know that there's people amongst us who are hurting and struggling right now. And so we ask that you be with the McAllister family and the loss of Cherie, Lord, uh, that you comfort them, uh, give them peace that uh, passes all understanding, um, and that it will be so evident that your presence is with them. Be with the family of Judy Kissinger, Lord, as, as they walk through uh, their situation and, and just figure out next steps and, and what to do, Lord. We just ask that you give her comfort and, and peace during these next moments, uh, and we trust that you are there with her. And Lord, we're so thankful for uh, the testimony of people like Doris Boggs and, and all she's meant to our gathering. And so we ask that you comfort her during this time, uh, that you'll ease her pain. We know uh, that your uh, goal is healing. And so we just ask that you bring healing in her life and she can know and experience that and know and experience your love. Lord, be with our gathering today. Be it virtual. Um, uh, be with the worship. Be with the teaching. We just ask that as we continue to follow you during these uh, coming seasons, we ask that you'll be with us, that you'll equip and empower us to live bold lives uh, for your kingdom, and that as we walk through what is uncertain, that we can experience and, and see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we trust in you for this and we give you this service, uh, praying that it is a sweet, uh, a sweet offering unto you. We love you deeply and ask all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years of the right hand of the Most High, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles. Your ways, O oh God, are holy. You are the God who performs miracles and you display your power among the peoples. Display your power, O oh God.
Mountains are still being moved. And strongholds are still being loose. And God, we believe it. Yes, we can see that wonders are still what you do. And bodies are still being raised. And giants are still being slain. God, we believe it. Yes, we can see that wonders are still what you do. We are here for you. Come and do what you do. We are here for you. Come and do what you do. Set our
every chain, break every chain. Hello, church. This is Brad Miller. I'm pastor of missions and discipleship here at First Church. And I am excited because though so much is different, ministry still continues. Many of you are continuing to minister in your neighborhoods, in your homes, uh, at places where you may interact with people, serving people. Ministry still continues. And one of the ways that ministry is continuing today is we get to celebrate baptisms. So just as a side note, if you would like to give and continue supporting the ministry, you can go to our webpage, just find the word give, click on that. There are several options, or you can mail a check into the church. Thank you for your faithfulness. Because you give, we can continue with stuff like this. Uh, but, but this exciting part, ministry continues, baptisms today. Uh, I want to introduce to you uh, Laura Scott and Teresa Owens. We're glad to have them with us today. And we'll just start out with the first basic question. Have you made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, renouncing your sin, and turning to him alone for your salvation. Yes. Thank you. And do you wish to proclaim on this day to your church family, do you wish to proclaim that change that he's made in your life and proclaim him as Lord? Yes. All right, great. Well, just so that we get to know you a little bit better, Laura, can you tell us why to getting baptized and proclaiming that to the church family, getting baptized on March 22nd is important to you? Okay. Um, on March 22nd, 15 years ago, my mother died, and her wish for all of her children were to find a church and be baptized so we'd all be together again. And it's taken me 15 years to find the church and make it work. So I'm ecstatic about it. Yes. Um, I'm nervous, I'm happy, uh, excited, and I have my best friend with me. That's exciting. Yeah. Best friends together. And yeah. Teresa, you have an interesting story that you maybe shouldn't be here today. Right. Um, about eight years ago, it was the day after Christmas, um, I was laying on the couch and I started having trouble breathing. And I have asthma and I just thought it was maybe an asthma attack coming on and then it just kept getting worse and worse. And um, my parents lived next door to me and I called them and had them come over and I had went outside and I was to the point where I couldn't even catch my breath at all. I was really gasping and everything. They called the ambulance and um, I, I blacked out. I don't remember anything else but they told me that once they got there that they lost me. Um, they got me in the ambulance continued to work on me and they got me back and then they lost me again and then once we got to the hospital in the emergency room they told me they lost me again and I just believe that Jesus gave me a second chance you know and I owe everything you know to him and from then on I accepted him into my heart and it's it's been great and I just wanted to show the world today that that's what it's all about. I commit to him. I give my life to him. Yes, yes. This is so exciting. Thank you, ladies, for today. And we'll make our way up to the baptismal, and we'll get ready. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain, 
church family. It's good to be together today. We're going to be today in the book of 1 Kings, and that may seem a strange spot to some of you. Uh, just to give you a little bit of uh, backstory for some of you who are new, uh, we decided this year, starting in January, that we would preach one sermon from every book in the Bible. And so we find ourselves today in 1 Kings. And so if you have your Bible, you'll want to be turning there. And we come upon a period of Israel's history where King Ahab, who ruled for 22 years, uh, has a wife named Jezebel. And she is uh, symbolic of evil, false religions that Israel was struggling so much with. And Israel really is in moral bankruptcy at this point. The people of God are struggling. They have forsaken the commandments of God. And they've turned to Baal. Uh, Baal is a, a, a god in the ancient Near East of rain and dew or storms, uh, part of that pantheon. And interestingly, we pick up in, in verse, in chapter, chapter 17. Uh, and Elijah is a prophet uh, of God in the middle of a corrupt people. And so Elijah, he predicts boldly, boldly, think about this, how bold this is, that you're not going to see rain for a while. He predicts a drought going straight for Baal when he said that. That was gutsy. That was a gutsy move. And that's the way Elijah is, man. He is a gutsy guy. And he predicts this drought. And even uh, we read on in the story that Elijah was such a mighty man of God that there was a, a woman whose son had fallen ill and then died. And Elijah, in an interesting story, lays across this child three times and this child is raised back to life and he brings him to his mom. I mean, this guy's a mighty man of God. Uh, in chapter 18, Elijah's had enough of all this Baal worship and Elijah, uh, in verse 21 in chapter 18, he says, Elijah, it, we read, Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. I mean, he invites all of Israel there. And then uh, Jezebel has 850 uh, the, of these prophets, 450 right here. The prophets of Baal are here in this story. And they like, bring them on up and I'll meet you on Mount Carmel. And you're going to decide, he says, but if Baal, um, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Meet me outside. How about that? I mean, he is throwing down in front of everybody. And he says to them, uh, we're going to build two altars. Uh, we're, both of us get a, an ox or a, a big old cow. And you're going to build your altar, where, which would, would have wood under it. And you put your meat on it. And then I'm going to do the same thing. And then uh, we'll see if you're God. But here's the thing. We're not going to lie to you to one of them. We're going to see if your God can come through for you, if he's really God. And so he's talked smack to them all day. All these prophets of Baal, he just talked smack to them all. Hey, what's going on? All through noon, through the whole day. The whole day goes by. Nothing happens, of course. 
So then Elijah, he's like, okay, it's my turn. He gets, he builds the same altar, including some stones with a trench. And he says, give me four pots of water. So he pours all this water on top of it. And he's like, okay, let's see. And he has this incredible prayer and he prays, God, show yourself mighty. And I mean, boom, the fire comes. It burns the, the ox, it burns the wood, it, it, it burns the stones. And it even includes the dust. And I mean, it is an incredible miracle. And after that, because he predicted the drought, he goes to Ahab and he's like, I hear, because God gives him a sound and he sees something and he sends a storm at this point. And he says to Ahab, hey, you can go eat now because I hear a storm. And then he, he sends his servant up to a vantage point to look out afar to see if there's any sign from God that there's going to be rain. And he sends him up one, two, three, seven times. The seventh time, did you see anything? He says, yeah, I saw a little tiny cloud about the size of a hand. It's out there. Small beginnings, man, small beginnings. But then he says, hey, y'all better get out of here, Ahab, because you're going to get rained in. And he's so bold. And so he's so bold. And I, I want you to know, uh, even in the middle of this, that uh, as a cleansing, uh, Elijah, he chases down those prophets of Baal and he kills them. It's like, we got to get rid of all this false religion and false. It seems very barbaric to us, but that's what happens. And so we pick up in chapter 19, and that's where we're going to start reading today. And you're thinking, oh, what's we going to do next? What's this guy going to do next? Now, Ahab told Jezebel, his wife, who's really the head of all this false religion, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, so she's sending a note to Elijah and it says, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. If by the time, this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like one of them. If I don't take care of you and take care of business by this time tomorrow, now I want to remind you, she's a powerful woman. She could have sent somebody to kill him. But all she sent was a note. She sent a note to Elijah. So oh, what, what's he going to do? What's he going to throw down? What is Elijah going to throw back at her because of all that we've seen him do? Verse 3. Elijah was afraid. And he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush and he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. Go on down to verse 10 and we read, he reply, when, he, when he is speaking, uh, he says, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. 
The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. Wow. Here's a mighty man of God who had done all this. And here's a guy now who is running on empty. And I want to talk to you about how to fill your tank when you're running on empty. There's a lot of things going on in the world. And God has been so good to us in so many ways. But we live in unprecedented times. And you may feel a little frazzled. Or it may be other things or extenuating circumstances are happening in your life. And you are maybe running on empty. How do you even know that you're running on empty? How do I know that my tank is empty? Well, let's just learn from Elijah. The first thing you see is that when I know I'm running on empty, and uh, I would tell you this sermon is uh, for me as much as anybody. I want to tell you, I need this sermon maybe worse than you do, but you can listen in for today. Uh, The first thing that you see in this story, and it reminds us of all of us, is we know we're running on empty when we see fear start ruling our lives. When I see fear ruling my life, I know my tank is kind of getting empty. Elijah was afraid. That's what we read out there in verse 5. When you're afraid all the time, check the gas tank. When you're always afraid, you might be running on empty. Another thing that we learn from Elijah, we realize that we're running on empty, is that I find myself running away. Elijah ran for his life. You know, for us, for many of us, uh, we may not run, but I would use another term in our culture, and that is numbing out. What do you do when you're afraid or when you are tired or whatever it is? What do you do? Well, normally we numb out. Sometimes we turn to recreational drug use. Many people in our culture drink to kind of soothe the stress or when they're feeling anxious or tired or afraid. Many people use a lot of different things. Some people watch TV endlessly just to numb out. You know that you're kind of running on empty when you find yourself running away from reality. Another thing is I distance myself from healthy relationships. You notice that he left his servant in the town of Beersheba. Uh, That's one way that you know that you're running on empty. Um, I would especially say to students, if you find yourself withdrawing from the healthiest relationships you have, and I would say the people in authority over you, which is uh, your, your parents, as well as good adults in your life that are good mentors for you, when you find yourself withdrawing from them, you might be running on empty. You might be running away like Elijah. Uh, And we do that in our marriages too. It's important for us. If we're in relationships with the people in our lives, if you find yourself running away from those healthy relationships, that's a sign. Check the gas gauge. When I make foolish and impulsive decisions, that's a sure sign that I'm running on empty. So many times in our life, the three S's get us. We speak, we spend, and we speed too fast. Slow down, slow down. 
But when we make it foolish and impulsive decisions, you look at this story. He walked for a full day into the desert. Think about that. He just, he just impulsively just walks across the desert. How dangerous is that? On short notice. He did it. I'm not saying that he planned for it like we're going to Turkey Run. Not like that. It's like he was afraid he was on the run. He just impulsively walks into the desert. Man, wrong direction with no plan is not good. Don't do it. Another thing is I push myself beyond my physical limits. You know, we are intricately made. I, I had a doctor one time tell me about you know, treating my own body with diabetes and the medicines and all the different things. And he said to me, he said, you know, Johnny, it's, our bodies are so intricate. It's kind of like we're trying to uh, fix a watch with a hammer. You know, we're, we are made in such a way uh, that sometimes uh, we push our bodies beyond its physical limits. We have to be careful, especially during this time. Uh, he collapsed under uh, some shade when he finally found it. He just collapsed there. Another thing is you see this in Elijah's words when he says, my life seems pointless. When, when I find myself saying, man, my life is pointless. You might be running on empty. I've worked hard, but I haven't seen any results or I haven't seen any change and it's just pointless. You hear that in Elijah. Have you ever said those words? Have you ever thought that? Well, you, you see, that's another sign of your life being empty. When I find myself wanting to quit and give up, boy, that's a sign, isn't it? God, I've had enough. And that's what he says to the Lord. And he, he says it in this story. And that's a part of, as a part of that is also when, when I feel isolated and attacked. He says, I'm the only one left and they are trying to kill me too. He says that. You might feel that way uh, in your social circles. You may feel that way as a young person. You might feel that as a young parent. You might feel that as a grandparent even. You know, Lord, I, I'm always trying to do the right thing. And, I'm, and you know what? You may be on empty when you feel that way. Here's another sign and we see in Elijah that he's kind of running on empty. Here's this fearless man of God on the run. I compare myself to other people. Uh, and in my case, I feel sorry for myself. You know, when I, I compare myself, he says, for I am no better than my ancestors. So when I depreciate myself, when, I, when I'm thinking and comparing myself to other people, that's a sure sign, you know, man, my tank is empty. And here's the last thing. If I think death might bring relief. I mean, that's in the language twice. Elijah prayed that he might die. Take my life, Lord. Lord, just let me die. When you think about dying, any time that you would think about self-harm, I want to remind you that that's a permanent solution to a very temporary situation. That's a permanent solution to a temporary mood. And that's a sure sign that you're on empty. Are you running on empty? What do you do? I want to, just if you could, I want you to look at James 5.17. I want you to look at James 5.17. I know this isn't in the book that we're preaching from today. But we read these words in the book of James about Elijah. 
And James is writing about the prayer of a righteous man is mighty. Again, just like Elijah, you know, I mean, it's like it just has that boldness. And so James writes these words, Elijah, speaking of Elijah of 1 Kings, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. So in the context of James, he's saying, Elijah, he's just like us. And look at what God did through him. But I want to point out to you the first few words. Elijah was a person just like us. Who in this instant, after God had done so much in his life, he was running on empty. I always read that verse to say, man, Johnny Mac, do better. And that's true. The encouragement is for us to be bold in the Lord and trust in the Lord. It's also a reminder, Elijah was a human being just like us. So what do we do to fill the tank? And we look at this story. How do you fill the tank when the tank is empty? How do you do that? How do I refill my emotional and spiritual life. Here's the first thing. We need to rest. God makes me rest my body. Now, the older I'm getting, the more I am learning about this. And I sort of skated through my 20s and 30s, not really listening much to this. But the truth, it's true for all of us. Students, parents, grandparents, you, God makes me right. In fact, that's, so that's a direct quote out of Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Look at verse 5 in chapter 19. Then Elijah lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and saw some bread baked on on hot stones and a jar of water. And so he ate and he drank and he laid down again and he went back to sleep. And then the angel of the Lord came again and he touched him and he said, get up and eat some more. For there is a long journey ahead of you. So Elijah got up. He ate and he drank and his strength was revived. You know, one of the most spiritual things that some of you could do is to take a nap. Get some rest. Unplug. Students, go to bed a little earlier. It's not healthy. It's not healthy to burn the candle on both ends. It's not sustainable. Vince Lombardi, the great football coach at Green Bay. I grew up, my parents and a lot of people around me, football fans. And uh, Vince Lombardi once said, fatigue makes cowards of all of us. That's true. I know I've said this a a lot, but I want to encourage you. Remember that uh, that little halt, that halt acrostic there? H A L T. Stop. H A L T. Halt. If you're hungry, if you're angry, 
If you're lonely, if you're tired, stop. Stop. Call timeout. Call timeout. If you're hungry, if you're not eating right, if you're angry, if you find yourself always, if you're lonely or if you're tired. Psalm 127 verse 2, we're reminded, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. What is that saying? It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Uh, Don't you know that he enjoys, God enjoys giving rest to those he loves? So here's what I ask you. Do you make time for rest? Unplug. Make time for rest. Leave your phone downstairs when you go upstairs to bed. Here's the second thing. We need to release our frustrations to God. God encourages me to release the things that are frustrating me. And this is what happened. Next, Elijah, this is verses 8 and 9 in 1 Kings 19. Next, Elijah traveled 40 days to, go, to get to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And then Elijah speaks to him. And this is where Elijah had told God, I've worked hard for you, Lord, but your people have abandoned your covenant and destroyed your places of worship and murdered all your true prophets. And I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. I heard a pastor out in California many years ago said it like this. Revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. Revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. It's important that we be honest with God. We talked a little bit about confessing. I think this is another part of us walking with God. If we're going to walk with God and be the people of God, we've got to learn to release our frustration to God. When we call somebody else, And we release our frustration. So many times we talk about just getting that off our chest and it makes us feel better. I want to encourage you to not be addicted to just other people, but to look towards the Lord. To look to God. To tell him how you feel. It's important that you walk with God and release that. Rest and release. Release your frustrations to God. When you pray, pray about, Lord, I'm tired. I'm struggling with this. I'm, I, you know how tired I am. You know how frustrating this is for me, whether it's a relationship or circumstances or whatever it is. Lord, we need, I need your help. This is hard. Speak, oh, just release that to the Lord. And here's the third thing. We need to remember and refocus on God. God tells me to remember and to refocus my life towards him. Verse 11. The Lord said to Elijah, go stand in front of me on the mountain and I will pass by you. So he's told him of his frustration. Here he is on Mount Sinai. 
So the Lord says, I will pass by you. And right there we read, then a very strong wind blew past. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after that, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then there was a a wildfire. But the Lord was not in the fire. But then there was a quiet, gentle sound. And when Elijah heard it, he covered his face with his coat and went out and stood on the entrance of the cave. And the voice said to him, Elijah, why are you still here? Think about that. A strong wind blew. And man, I don't know if you've been around strong winds. So many of you in Indiana probably have. Uh, we, we, we got a trampoline as a gift a couple of years ago. I feel like I own a dog or something. We have to babysit this thing. We put a cover on it. Do y'all remember the vortex last year? I mean, the wind comes and it whips us. And I remember one night, it was horrible. Silas was so sick of the sound of this trampoline cover whipping in the wind that he got up and I, I, it woke me up too. And I went out and I looked, the light was on and Silas is out there in short pants with boots and a coat and he's trying to get this flapping thing to stop. And Elijah is experiencing not only the wind, the sound, but he's also experiencing an earthquake. Think about the earthquake and then not just the earthquake, there's this fire and the Lord wasn't in any of them, but in the quiet he was. Let's reboot back to point one. In the rest, when we unplug, when we hear, we can get the quiet voice of God. We can hear him. Rest, release, remember, and refocus our lives. I want you to encourage you, if you need rest, if you need that release, if you need a time of refocusing your life, I want to remind you of God's faithfulness. I actually just today recorded a podcast for you. Um, It's some alone time with God where I share with you scriptures. And so I would encourage you to maybe check that out. It's on our resources that you can see right here on our uh, website. And I want to encourage you to get alone by yourself. And it's meant to kind of take you through scripture and just being alone with God and reading scripture and praying and thanking God and praising God and spending some alone time with God. I would encourage you to do that. I wanted that to be a resource in your life, especially in these troubling times. It's a time of prayer, but it's also a time of good meditation on the Lord. But I want to read to you uh, from Lamentations, which means to complain. So, Uh, I want to read to you some words that Jeremiah Jeremiah said, and then I want us to think and focus on those things. Jeremiah said, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the the wormwood and the gall. Uh, He's basically saying um, here in verse 20, he goes on and he says, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. That's his way of saying, I feel lower than a snake's belly. That's where he is. And, and Jeremiah is, is feeling low. You know, 
This is what, in verse 21, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. As you refocus your life, as you look to restore your relationship with the Lord, and as you look to refocus and remember God's faithfulness, you might say, well, how do I? It's right in these verses in Lamentations of Jeremiah. It's the steadfast love. That's the first thing. Remember the steadfast love of the Lord. Remember that it's unfailing and it's continuing mercy. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. That's the third thing. Remember God's great faithfulness. Refocus your life towards his great faithfulness. And here's another beautiful part of this. His continuing grace. They are new every morning. It's a continuing grace he gives us. And then it's on both ends. It's in both ends right there. He says, I have hope. And at the very end, he says, I will hope in him. It's a real hope in a real world. Those five things. If you want to refocus your life, if you're like, I don't, how do I redirect my life? Think about the steadfast love of the Lord. Think about the unfailing and continuing mercy of the Lord. Consider the great faithfulness of the Lord, his continuing grace in my life, and the real hope in the real world. You know, many people, when they're trying to cope with either bad news they, or uh, troubling times, uh, they get out the chocolate when they're depressed, or maybe ice cream, or whatever it might be. I want to encourage you to reach for God. I, I want to encourage you to to consider God and hide yourself in him. Rest, let him know about your frustration. And then I want you to refocus your life towards him. I, I want to read just this verse 15 and 16, this in this story. It says, when he says, uh, at the very end of that, those verses we were reading, he says, Elijah, why are you still here? And then he says to him, Go back the way you came to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel and Jehu and Elisha. Get some people to help you. You know, he, he says, here's one of the things that I want to encourage you. He had a brand new assignment because he wasn't through with Elijah. God had a brand new assignment. And I want to encourage you today. God's not done yet. He's not done with you and your life. And he has a brand new assignment. I want to encourage you to rest and to release. And then refocus your life on him. He's not through with you yet. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you for your steadfast love. 
We thank you, Lord, for your unfailing and continuing mercy. Lord, we thank you for your great faithfulness through all the generations. Lord, we thank you for your continuing grace in our lives. Lord, thank you so much. And thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in you. And Lord, I pray for each person who is right now listening to this. I pray, Father, that you would help them to turn their lives towards you and refocus their life towards you and that we would have hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief for pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend. Through stormy ways leads to a joyful end. Be still, my soul, thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy Purest joys restored. Be 
So today, I hope that you will fill your tank and that you'll be encouraged. I want to remind you of a passage in Romans as we leave today, and I hope that you know, uh, just sort of as a benediction, that, uh, that, that you turn towards the rest and the release and that you would refocus your life on Him. And be reminded today, Romans 8, 38, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to thank you today, and I pray that you have a great week. God bless you.